0: Third down and three for the Saints. Breeze in the shotgun. Fires over the right side. Caught. Touchdown.
1: Austin Carr. Go, Cats. Hey there. We're the Westlaw Pirates, and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. and I'm Eric Scott Well, gentlemen, Austin Carr, uh, not the only one having a great weekend, uh, with him making his first ever career touchdown reception, uh, for the New Orleans Saints. Um, good for him. It's been awesome to watch him throughout the season. And, you know, as he now is on the scoreboard, um, we can turn our attention to other great things that happened this weekend as far as the cats are concerned turn our turn our attention to hats yeah that's (laughs) right that's right um it's it's hat week and uh coming off a nice
2: road win up in the frozen
1: tundra of minnesota scuzz have you thought out yet
2: yeah actually it wasn't too bad um when i woke up on saturday morning it was 20 degrees snowing and cloudy and i thought oh no and then by eleven o'clock as the game was starting, the sun had started to poke through. We were on the right side of the stadium, meaning we were in the sun. There were people that sat the entire game in the shade on the home sideline. Oh, I don't I don't friends. know why. There were good seats still available. Like y'all should have moved around. It was uh it was quite comfortable. No, my dad and I were pretty happy. Um Well, he wasn't so happy. Right, I was gonna but, say uh Yeah. But you know, I th- there is because we're talking about the weather, I want to start right off the top with um, what I thought was was a a funny entertaining and yet pretty meaningful thing that we all saw on Twitter and that was the entire offense warming up on the field shirtless before the game at I believe the the measurement was twenty two degrees Fahrenheit and i I bring it up because as listeners know, I go to this game every year regardless of the city uh, to get together with my dad. Uh, who lives within walking distance of of the Gophers Stadium? I should mention in Minneapolis. And two years ago in Minnesota, it was probably a couple degrees colder. Definitely not sunny. Um, just a miserable day. And the and it and it really looked like it took the cats um, on the chin mentally. Like they they just looked despondent and slow and cold the whole game. Every time they got hit by Minnesota, you could just like you just saw them shying away from contact and just disinterested in the game as it went on. And I thought, whether or not it actually had an impact, and there's no way to, to measure that or know that that's true, but I thought going out there and, and practicing with no shirts on, A, embraced a little bit of levity going into this game that, for all intents and purposes, was meaningless, um, albeit you know, some bowl placement jockeying down the track, sure, but uh, nothing really to play for here. But it also you know showed some some mental acceptance of of the type of environment they were going to be in and embraced it and had some fun with it and as a result they looked real solid throughout the game um and I, and some guy like Thor- i thought thorson had his best game in weeks
0: sure and you know i think we can drill down on a couple of things and i know you know right before the pod we were mentioning that um Minnesota's, at least their run defense, looked pretty solid. And I think, you know, if you were to compare Isaiah Bowser's numbers, he got close to 100 yards, 88 yards, but it was certainly a rougher going than he'd have in previous weeks. Um, uh, but my whole theory about this game, and it sort of dovetails into what you were saying um, about the meaning of the game, is given that this game had no real concrete significance, although Fitz... Will tell you, and quite testily so that this game meant a lot to them, and they were sick of people talking about how it didn't mean a lot to them um, th- really early on, except for really one moment right before the end of the first half when Minnesota got a, you know got a nice drive together and took the lead, um, we immediately counterpunched after that, and with the exception of that one moment, we basically controlled this game the entire way. I firmly believe that there is a whole nother gear we could have gone to in this game if we would have needed to. And had we done that, we would have left Minnesota behind. Um, and part of that is Clayton Thorson only attempted 21 passes, only completed uh, completed 15, only missed six. We had five receivers with at least one big play reception. Bennett Skoranek had at least two. Minnesota was not getting it done in the secondary. And had we needed to throw on them more, we could have done that. And on the flip side, and I was talking about this to you guys during the game, um, Hankowitz played that kind of game that we expect him to play if he doesn't have to change his scheme because we're not in some sort of desperation mode. And those underneath passes were there for Minnesota all day. And really, um, some rushing yards were available for Muhammad Ibrahim, not Ibrahim, Ibrahim, we learned, um, during the game. And credit to that guy, I mean, he's a tank. But we never flooded the box and we never rolled our corners up, partly because, again, there were young guys. We were worried about getting beat over the top. But if we would have needed to, we could have applied more pressure up front. And Morgan had, like two seconds or less to throw the ball on every play if we would have ever needed to we could have put him in a situation where he couldn't get the ball out quick and that would have been the end of it because he would have been on his ass so um, I think they Minnesota I think I, I give them credit to their defense and I give Morgan credit throwing the ball aside from his interceptions but I truly believe we played a lot of this game with one hand behind our back and if we would have needed to take that other hand out we would have been
2: just fine yeah, they had they had a couple key drops. Uh, Rashad Bateman had two brutal drops for Minnesota in the first half, and they, uh, yeah, they struggled. I think I, you know, we really showed some dominance in the trenches. I thought that's where um, it was very evident. To your point, John, that we we could have gone farther, and it's because our O line did very very well. I mean, the fact that Thorson averaged 11 yards per uh, per attempt um, is really really telling, and. I know that there were, you know, there were some thirty-five yards of, uh, or forty, forty yards of after the catch yardage from JJ Jefferson. Skoranek added, you know, maybe ten or fifteen onto one of his catches. JJ's
0: JJ's thirty-yard stroll
2: down the sideline. <laughs> yeah, but but that 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 ball traveled thirty yards in the air first. Oh, for um, sure. Like like I thought Thorson was attacking downfield better than he had all season. The other thing that's interesting to call out. I mean, we you know. We didn't have a commanding lead after at the end of the half, but we were all feeling pretty good at halftime, uh, just just the way this game was playing out. So in the first half, Ibrahim um, averaged 6.4 uh, yards per, uh, per carry, but he had one carry that went for 30. Outside of that, he was relatively pedestrian, um, averaged 3.8, only carried the ball 10 times total in the half, and in the second half that 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 dropped he only carried it 9 times and averaged 3. So I thought our D did a pretty good job containing. We struggled with the read option a little bit, um even though Morgan was never really a, a a great threat to run, but Bowser it was a tale of two halves for Bowser. In the first half he averaged 4.2 yards per carry. He was really he was really running strong, never tackled for a loss. In the second half there were a lot of obvious you know, just dive running plays that Minnesota sold out against and and his average dropped way, way down. But, and that, I mean, I don't know how you guys felt. I had no doubts coming out of halftime that the Cats had this game in hand. We, we had the matchups that we wanted. Morgan was, you know, moving the ball and getting some yardage, but not able to take advantage of our secondary the way we may have feared.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I, I really felt that, Like you said, the game was in, we had the game under control. Um, you know, Morgan with the two interceptions, uh, Nate Hall with a couple beautiful picks. Um, it's going to be a travesty that we don't get him in the first half of the Illinois game, but, uh, Uh, we,
2: we ain't, let him, let him rest. We we ain't seeing Nate next week.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know, we'll see him in the second half. It's senior day. Oh, that's a good point. You know, Fitz isn't going to let a senior not play. Um, but you know the the fact that they, like they were able to move the ball somewhat and then when we needed to stiffen up and we needed to shut it down we did and that you know like you said it felt under control and you know at at no point was i like oh it seems like something's shifted something's you know they they figured something out cuz they, they never re- really did
0: yeah and and i mean so if- you know scuzz said alluded to it but from 11 minutes into the third quarter onward um or at the 11 minute mark in the third quarter on we were up 21 7 and the game was never in doubt from any point beyond there and you know so it you know however many times we wanted to stuff isaiah bowser into the line whatever it was just clock and defense but in the first half you know they i you know i texted you guys they definitely had watched that duke tape and Duke, you know, when they're cooking, Daniel Jones is better at it than anybody. Just get the ball in your hands and get it out. Quick slants or whatever. Um, but the thing is, Morgan wasn't locating and his receivers, Bateman in particular, had a case of the dropsies. And both of those things just scream, just bend, 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 bend and wait for him to screw up. The first pick was just a weird, a weird one, but the second pick was a classic Mike Hankowitz fishing expedition. That was Nate Hall in the deep flat back there. Um, like, he's not supposed to be there. Like, that's
2: the, like, that's, that was beautiful. I was, I was
0: preaching that to all the gopher people
2: around me. Um,
0: Right. I mean that's that's just we're dropping him back there because Morgan isn't doesn't see him and Morgan's gonna feed it to him. And and Hankowitz has had so many of those great moments over his tenure at Northwestern. He's really good at reading the tea leaves and knowing when to do that, whether it's Gaz or Hall or who or whoever. And Tanner just had a you know, a little bit of location problem, a little bit. His receivers didn't give him help with the drops. It was cold, but again, the pocket was just collapsing. Um, we had four sacks, could have had more, and again, four sacks that was just four sacks off of base off of base rush. Um, if we would have ever needed to bring five or whatever, he would have just been running for his dear life. they their offensive line was not up to the task. And again, a lot of those yards were on those quick slants where, yeah, you're like you're thinking, look, we're playing a bunch of reserve corners out there. Uh, and one reserve safety. Just don't just don't give up a big play. Let them march, and we'll just see what happens. And especially early on, Hankowitz is like, look, this kid just wants to keep throwing interceptions to us. Then he can keep gobbling up yards. If it would have been a tight game late, we would have pressed them. And if we would have pressed them, he would have gotten lit up. Because Gaz and you know Jordan Thompson, sommed Up, those guys were wreaking havoc back then. Goins, I thought yeah. Goins had a really good mm-hmm. game. Yep, just
2: I, it was it was quite evident that we were controlling both lines of scrimmage. I, I think I said that earlier, but uh, you know you had the you had the two back to back fumbles, um, the second of which town recovered, a couple of big sacks, um, just. Lots and lots of pressure, and that felt really. It felt really, really good to dominate a team in that fashion. And they, they took some edge off of it with with their um, their read option. I mean, that's how they scored. You know, they kind of marched down the field to get that uh, that touchdown in the second half, but or in the second quarter. But uh, I, I, just, I, we talked about it last week too. Like this defensive line is clearly the strength of this team, and they're so good even when they don't get sacks and they haven't gotten many this season, but um, this game they landed at home and it's, it's stunning that we could have had like maybe six or even eight. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. sure. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Um, You know, what, what's interesting is, you know, you kind of look at how we came out of this game, you know, play, playing solid, you know, everything's, Kind of coming together, you know, didn't seem to have any more major injuries kicking game aside. You know, we'll, we'll talk about, you know, the fact Pirate that. Hire a
2: booty for Jay Collins yeah, two yeah. years seriously, in a row, baby. Seriously.
1: <laughs> I mean, wow. For, for him to hit his first field goal since high school, and <laughs> he's a grad, he's a grad transfer, you know, good for him. Um, it hasn't been a factor yet. Uh, that we don't really have a kicker who's healthy. Um, you got, you got to wonder. I, I don't necessarily see it to be a, a factor this weekend against Illinois, but, uh, the Big Ten championship game, it absolutely could be, you I know, mean, that could be a real turning point. So, um, you know, the fact that, you know, looking at the death chart for, for this week and only seeing Jake Collins listed as at kicker, you know, he's the only one. There's no backup. Um, Oof. It, that that's concerning I think so it's funny
0: I'd love to know in northwestern history how many times a player has had a 50 yard plus punt and a field goal in the same game it's got to be a pretty short list I can't remember too many times when we've had guys doing the punting and kicking duties in the same game um but the the, the one thing about that that worries me because I feel like it's been a thing over a pat over several weeks and certainly the whole beginning of the season is the coaching staff doesn't seem to have a good read on exactly where the kickers are coming into a game, right? Where Because like there are times, like for example, this whole week, it was like, well, it sounds like Luckenbaugh might be good enough to play, but is he good enough to play? And they're like, oh, okay, he is, he's on the depth chart. Well, I guess he's good enough to play. But as soon as he got out there, um, I think what he shanked a kick, a yeah, kick the, off, the extra point. Good, no, he because he was he wasn't kicking off all game. Oh, that's I mean, right. That, that was that's Collins right. Kicking so, off all so that game. was
1: that was Collins.
0: But yeah, he shanked the extra point, and it was just like, oh, well, the, he's not healthy. And I don't
2: know... John, I think you're making the the classic error of believing what the coaches tell you about injury status during the week.
0: I guess, but I mean, like, they trotted him out there,
2: you know? Like, I mean, you're right. I mean, maybe they were... He, he kicked both extra points. I mean, well, he missed
1: one and then kicked the other. And then we didn't see him the rest of the game. And, and, and they said, he's out the rest of the game. Like, on the broadcast, right. they, they came back and said, no, it's Collins the whole way from here
0: right. on out. I mean, that was the thing. I was just like, I... I, it seems like a situation where a guy would, would be that bad that it would be hard to read, you know, that it wouldn't be that hard to read and be like, look, you got to sit out another week. We're just going to let Collins kick. I get that it's kind of a weird thing, but I just factor it in with Kubander who was really a mess for the first, what, three or four weeks of the season. And then we didn't even know he was hurt for a lot of that and then kind of found out that he was hurt. And that goes to kind of your keeping your cards close to the vest, discuss thing that you were talking about. But um, but then kind of wondering, well, what's the deal? Like, they can't, you know, this isn't something that's readily apparent in practice. Um, and you can't be like, look, you're just shanking them. Or maybe it's just different on on game day. I don't know. It's weird. I just want to believe that you know when we go to indianapolis in two weeks that if there's a kicker we can be like yes he's ready to kick or if not to be like jake collins it's got to be you but i i just hope that
1: that at least in the eyes of the coaching staff there's not that ambiguity so um, Isn't, isn't there like a men's soccer goalie or something that we could you know just trot out for a little bit
0: Hey, or as an alternative, this week, let's just score six or seven touchdowns against Illinois and we'll just go for two on every one of those touchdowns. That's you know <laughs> and if we get them all so much the better. Like I there's I don't see a downside there.
2: Um <laughs> So I you know we'll see what happens on that front. I think we I think we should drop some booty and then uh, and then talk some hat. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely for sure. Um I'll throw out a few guys, uh Thorson just having having a really solid game there was a there's a stat from pro football focus i tweeted out um every time he was blitzed he threw for a first down in this game wow i didn't notice that's, that
1: that's fantastic
2: yeah that's that's pretty damn awesome um travis willock uh led the team with with 15 total tackles a couple of passes defense just looks fast and confident and and really really solid out there like Hopefully we get McGee back, um, but you almost—I mean—you almost look at the way we've been using Willick in in uh, in run stopping, and you could see him playing that Kyle Cairo role in almost like the the, the nickel package. Um, once McGee is healthy again, I don't know if they'll actually do that. We'll see. Could be a Wally Pip situation. I don't know, but um, he he certainly deserves some uh, some accolades.
1: I mean, the the, then... the fact that Willick and Patty Fisher.
2: Played together
1: in in Texas, and how good was that defense?
2: You know, in high school.
1: Whew. Yeah,
2: yeah. And then the last one for me is Riley Lee's. Yes, that's um, where I was going to go. Stepping in with Nagel, presumably injured and not playing next week, uh, four catches, fifty yards, just f- filled that slot really well. Did a great job.
0: Absolutely, that was the one. I I want to double down on Lee's just because, like you said, um, it's weird. I think. The way that our wide receiver position groups are set up, um, Nagel normally mans that one spot and mans it for almost the entire game. And Lee catches so few balls normally because he's the backup in that position. But man, yeah, he just totally stepped up and you come away being like, well... These guys certainly look like a like for like switch, so it makes you feel better. Obviously, we want Nagel back, but it does. It is very comforting. Um, did, we we on, did we ever get word on?
1: Did we ever get word on what happened with Nagel?
0: I don't know. It certainly didn't look good, though. Um, I mean, I watched him get rolled up on. I know his, he was rolled up on his leg, um, and saw it when it happened. It just happened at the end of a play. And then I, you know, he was really mad on the sidelines because he knew he was not going to be able to go back in. And I think that was something, not something trainers were telling him. That was something he was seeing for himself because he was trying to make a go of it on the sideline and he knew that he couldn't, um, beyond that, we don't really know. And, and again, his earlier point. We ain't going to
2: find out either. (laughs) Nope. Well, it's, I mean, it's another senior, right? Who we might not see, uh, next week.
0: Right. I, here's hoping he's able to get out there, um. I know it. How much this game means for these guys, and I know they all want to put it on
1: Illinois, as do we all. So, so as we pivot, um, I do want to, to kind of go back to that uh, that targeting call. And you know, watching it back on on replay, it is just baffling how that could be considered targeting. It's a guy uh,
0: trying to protect his bum shoulder by rolling into the tackle. I just, it's so dumb.
2: And his head hit the other dude's head. Barely. Barely. Yeah. 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 And it, it's, it's there's, and we've, we've talked about this a lot over the last three or four years, however long targeting has been in place. And there's just different grades of target. I mean, it's almost like face mask penalties at this point, right? Gra- like grades
0: of targeting, like the grade, if Muhammad Ibrahim had been the one carrying the ball on that play <laughs> versus Tanner Morgan.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like, well, and then, there's letter of the law and there's actual like what, what types of hits are you trying to, to get out of the game? And like, you're like, you're never going to keep guys from knocking heads in football. And I just, I don't think you should penalize it every time two guys heads come together. Even if it is, you know, even if it is bad. Uh, I mean, if you're going to play it that way, you got to penalize the offensive player too. I don't know. Like it, but it's, it's brutal and it sucks and thank goodness it does not matter for next week. Um, so, yes it's a bummer for Nate but for the team for for all the goals we have in front of us it, it has zero bearing which uh, is nice relative to some targeting calls that have hurt us in the past
1: sure um, and so I, I made the point uh, on Twitter and I just kind of was throwing it out there because you know you, you look at um, the targeting call for the LSU play the LSU defender who had to miss the first half of the Alabama game on a similar questionable uh, targeting call. I, I wish that there was some sort of like an appeals process that you could go through that, you know, you, if you're going to get kicked out of the game, okay, fine. You, you don't have the, the t- necessarily the time to really kind of stop and take emotion out of it and really look at intent and look at, you know, what was trying to be done. And you're trying to make that call quickly and, and keep the game moving. I get that you're going to toss him out. It's BS, but okay. But there should be some sort of um and I think Fitz was even talking about it in his press conference today, sort of a flagrant 1, flagrant 2 situation like in in basketball that there should be a way to you know to legislate a little bit more of a differential uh, of a differential on that because you know there are some targeting calls that are clear. Like this guy launched head first that is we're trying to eliminate that's the thing we're trying to eliminate from the game. Whereas, you know, with Hall, where he's, you know, trying to protect his shoulder, um, Morgan is you know, Morgan put his head down. Morgan doesn't put his head down at that last second. It's a perfect form tackle. So, you know, there's a lot of different factors that go into it. There should be some sort of way to appeal that first half suspension. Uh, you've got the whole week between games to to kind of take a look at that. And you know, maybe say, okay, this wasn't as bad as it was originally called on the field. Let's review that. Maybe send it up the ladder a little bit to like a higher arbitrator, something like that. But there should be some sort of uh, mechanism in place to, you know, get past the this first half suspension in the second half of the game. Uh, hey,
2: we can hope. I I
0: agree. I mean, I I totally agree in theory. My flip side in this particular case is Nate Hall should not have been in the game at the time that he made that I totally agree. And he put himself back into the game. And he was already well banged up at that point and is a total warrior and was like, I'm getting back out there. I really wish that someone would have been like, no, go put some ice on that shoulder. You've done enough today, champion. And then... So, that part of me is like, I'm glad he has to sit for the first half, because I kind of want him to be sitting for next game anyway. I want, you know, obviously, right, it's senior day, you want him to be out there, but I kind of feel like this is a happy medium, where he at least gets one half less wear and tear on that shoulder, and still gets to get out uh, and be a part of, you know, hat day. So, um, yes, I totally agree with everything you said, Sammy, but I am glad that that the
1: end effect is making Nate Hall uh, take a few plays off. So let's talk about this weekend's game. Um, Illinois coming off a absolute curb stomping. <laughs>
2: at, oh my goodness! At the hands you think of I Iowa. Was pissed about how last week went. A little bit, a little bit, yeah. Oh,
1: they man. took it out on Lovey's boys. I so here's the thing.
0: I want to hear so scuzz. And and we should all thank him for doing this, is going to make the effective like an effective pump the brakes case uh I don't we, know I don't know how effective re- it'll be relative to Illinois offense. But you're gonna I know you're gonna you're gonna try to make the case so that we all just don't act totally stupid relative to this which our entire lives of being northwestern fans should have already conditioned us not to do anyway um, if you think we're we're gonna beat them 63 nothing you got another thing coming um, and we all know that here's the one thing i will say though i like scuzz am a little nervous about Illinois' offense um, particularly their ability to run the ball illinois came into the iowa game ranked 127th out of 129 teams in total defense, and then they gave up 63 points to Iowa. Um, <laughs> it, they, their defense is ungodly bad. There are only three teams in the country allowing more than 500 yards a game and Illinois is one of them. There are only four teams in the country averaging more, allowing more than seven yards per play. And Illinois is one of those teams, too. Their offense has its moments and has its ebbs and flows. Their defense is a god-awful nightmare and has been all year. I don't remember... if You guys remember how Mackay Sargent did against us running the ball? Well, he averaged 7.1 yards a carry against Illinois and had two touchdowns. So it's... They are a completely different animal defensively, but I will say
1: they have their moments on offense. Can I just real quick run through their schedule and just read off the points allowed? <laughs> the, the bloodbath. Points, points allowed. Uh, starting from uh, opening week against Kent State, uh, give up 24 points. Uh, next week, um, Western Illinois uh, only gave up 14. Congratulations. So
0: let me pause you right here. These This is the area that's skewing...
1: The stats from being even worse than they RDR. Uh, next week, gave up 25 points to Central to South Florida, uh, against Penn State, 63. Uh, they they gave up 17 to Rutgers, they gave up 46 to Purdue, 49 to Wisconsin, 63 to Maryland, 31 to Minnesota. Yeah, that was in a 55 to 31 win for the Illini, but still 31 to Minnesota. 54 to Nebraska and 63 to Iowa. 54 to Nebraska, who scored nine against
0: Michigan State the next week, too. (laughs) Oh, boy.
2: Yeah. So like I said, my case is not going to be effective. (laughs) But I just want to prepare the people for what what they might see and what might give them some heartburn during the first half of this game. You mean to the, fact, the fact that we're probably gonna win like twenty-one to ten or something like that. Right. Well, so there is that, which is extremely possible. Um, I think the line is eighteen right now, yeah. but yeah, like anybody expecting Northwestern to win this by twenty-five, like guys, is just not likely. Now that being said, and and we've been talking about this on on text all day, like we tend to to try to thump Illinois. This is this is not a game where I think some of Fitz's tendencies around. You know, uh, not wanting to run up the score against a lesser opponent. I don't think he cares when it comes to Illinois, which I love. Um, and there's been, you know, there's been games where we've where we've thumped them pretty bad. There's also been some some horrific losses. Now, the the, the primary one came when Trevor Simeon got hurt, and we were starting the backup QB, and that that didn't go so hot. I think we turned the ball over like six times. Here's here's the thing that worries me about Illinois. We've talked about all year how a mobile quarterback gives Northwestern fits. And you saw that the most success that Minnesota had running the ball was when they were threatening, you know, read option essentially with, uh, with Morgan and Ibrahim. Illinois has, this, has eschewed their best quarterback uh, in MJ Rivers to play A.J. Bush Jr. because A.J. Bush is good running the ball. Uh, Rivers has, has really not seen the field in three weeks, he, he had a horrible game against Maryland after playing okay against, in you know, limited action against Minnesota. And the last three games, it has been all A.J. Bush. A.J. Bush is not good throwing the ball. <laughs> Somehow he completed 72% of his passes against Minnesota, but that number was, like, in the 40s against Minnesota and Iowa. It was in the 40s against Purdue. It was in the 20s against Wisconsin. Like, good, good gracious. Um, but he can run. Between A.J. Bush and running back Reggie Corbin, they put up almost 400 yards on the ground against Minnesota. That is a lot of rushing yards against what I thought was a pretty darn good rushing defense, particularly Brian Cashman, the one-man rucking crew, who, who destroyed Northwestern's offense single-handedly two years ago and had 20-some t- – I think he set the record for tackles from, for a gopher uh, against us this past week with 20. So, it's the read option thing that worries me. That that's caused us problems in the past. Now, the good news is, is that Bush can't throw, and w- and what really causes problems for us is when the QB can can do both and can you know force our defense to pick their poison and then starts to chew us up slowly and spit us out, a la Duke and uh, and Daniels. But you know, we'll just see. It's a it's a rivalry game. Weird things happen. Reggie Corbin is. Pretty damn good rusher. He's averaging 8.8 for the year. That's on 115 carries. That's ludicrous, guys. Uh, Nine touchdowns. Like, this is a legit good back. Now, we have shut down legit good backs in uh, Jonathan Taylor and in um, Dexter Williams from Wisconsin-Notre Dame, respectively. Uh, But I look at what a Zigbo was able to do to us off of a read option type concept, and it was a struggle. So here's the deal. Like, just prepare yourself that in the first half Illinois is going to run the ball on us and they're probably going to score a couple TDs hopefully hopefully as we get close to the to the to the end zone we can shut them down cuz our run defense is is spectacular i just i'm just trying to prepare you all for for the for the possibility that Illinois is going to run the ball and scare us a bit in the first half but to the points you guys have made our offense should come around and should be able to flip this thing no problem
0: yeah, it's – it's the tenor of it is going to be – I think Illinois is going to try to run read option against us, just like you said. That's what they're going to – I'm sure they've watched that Nebraska tape, and they're like, well, the one thing we have is a quarterback who can run, um, and they probably will try to do that. They tried to throw a lot against Iowa. Um, I'd love to see them try to do that against us, but – if they do, I mean, it'll be just a god awful disaster. Bush's QBR was six point two in that game, so um, well, at, they,
2: they were da- they were down early, so right. they didn't have much choice, right?
0: Right. Um, so and um, Ravon Bonner was actually the you know their primary bell cow running the ball in that game and picked up a hundred yards, um, four point eight a carry, so running into the teeth of that Iowa defense. So yeah, they they can run. It's it's the same thing kind of like the Minnesota game though. I mean it's the you you want it to be like, well, we're just going to throw everyone into the box and take that away from them and step on their throat, but that's usually not Hankowitz's deal. He's going to be like, well, I know I'm going to get a lot of support from the offense in this game. So let's just see what Illinois can do. And there's going to be a lot of that early. So like Scuzz said, Illinois is probably going to be moving the ball in the early going. Um, if Illinois is turning the ball over in the early going, this game's going to be over almost immediately because that will take away any wiggle room they have whatsoever. Um, and if, if Illinois has to pass in this game, um, they're just going to be done. So I think, yeah.
2: Well, and it's, well, and it's probably important mm-hmm. to mention that the, the, the passing that they might attempt is all going to be short stuff. Right. Um, th- that's where, you know, like a Daniel Jones really hurt us. I think I called him Daniels earlier, where Daniel jo- Jones from Duke really hurt us because he can run, he's accurate, but he also will attack downfield, um, which is something I've harped on about QB play for, for years now. And Illinois won't be able to do that much like Jack Cohn through, through everything short of the sticks. Cause he just wasn't comfortable attacking downfield in those tight windows. Illinois will be the exact same way, and frankly, I don't know that AJ Bush is even capable of attacking those windows. Um, so this is very much a keep everything in front of us game from the defensive side, and, and there's no reason to think that we can't do it. It just it's going to give everybody <laughs> heart palpitations during the first half, and especially if our offense starts slow in in the McCallion way that it often does. <laughs> and to re-
0: and to remember back to you know what we talked about in the offense, you know with with Illinois's defense in the summer and everything. Some of their best players, they have you know, a couple defensive ends who will get after the quarterback, who weigh like 210 pounds each. Um, they don't have defensive tackles that are strong. They have one half decent linebacker. They want to play this Tampa 2 Rangy scheme. Um, and they just have guys who aren't strong and can get pushed around at the point of attack. And Iowa rolled up, you know, Iowa had two backs. Um, one ran ran for 121, one ran for 67. They averaged 5.5 yards rushing as a team. Like, Isaiah Bowser's not looking at this defense and being like, these are guys who are going to drop me at the point of contact. He's going to be running over guys in this game. Uh, and the offensive line is going to eat too. So that's all going to make things very comfortable for Clayton. And, you know, like I said, that doesn't mean, you know, we all yes, we all want to say if Iowa can get sixty three, we can get forty. We all know that's not the way these things go, but we ought to be able to control the game and be up by enough that we're not, you know, that it's not getting too crazy late.
1: Should we talk about the other game we need to be uh, paying very close attention to uh, on Saturday? Do we need to pay close attention to it? <laughs> I mean, we should at least pay attention to it. Beat each other up, beat each other up.
0: That's what
2: I want. Yeah, I, I, one, well, you're obviously referring to to the game between Ohio State and Michigan. Yeah, that, that, b- 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 <laughs> t- Take us in, Sammy, and, and we'll. I think we have some interesting takes. Yeah, no, a lot I, of people I, have a lot of people have asked us our opinion on who we want to play. Yeah, and I, I don't think that you know it, it
1: matters one way or the. other. I mean, obviously, it matters one way or the other. I, I think we got you know we've shown that we can hang with Michigan. And just the way Ohio State's been playing lately, you know, they are very, very beatable. Uh, Not very, very beatable, but they are beatable. Um, As as Maryland really came inches away from doing. um, You know, ah, what what a heartbreaking way to lose a game. But, um, you know, I'm more interested in, like, who comes out of that game playing better. Um, You know, obviously... you. We're going to see the winner. And, you know, we want whoever comes out of that to be as beat up as possible.
0: The biggest thing for me um, that I'll be curious about is the status of Chase Winovich because he was our human nightmare when we played them. Um, Apparently he has some sort of upper body injury. Knowing everything I know about Chase Winovich – Upper body injury means his legs work, which means he's going to be playing. (laughs) Um, If that, like, you know, if his upper body injury up into and including he's missing one of his arms, he'll still be out there wreaking havoc. So, um, but he was kind of banged up. But I will be curious to see kind of what his status is in the game. But, you know, everything we've been led to believe this season, and I know with this game we have to throw everything out. Michigan should just be the thoroughly better team here. And I, you know, based on everything we've seen, of course, it may all play out in a totally different way. And Haskins may have yet another big day throwing the ball and they may be in it. But for all this talk about Ohio State's defense is bad, um, but they bail themselves out with this high-flying offense – This is a team that scored twenty-seven points against Penn State, thirty points against Minnesota, thirty-six points against Nebraska, and twenty-six points against Michigan State. Um, When they play bad defenses, that that offense
2: didn't score twenty-six points against Michigan State. Let's just be clear. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right,
0: and it's like so they their offense certainly is the more consistent unit. Both units are loaded with talent. I think it's so funny that Maryland was just tearing Ohio State apart and people say stuff like, oh, if they only had Nick Bosa. Like, they don't still have 25-star guys in that defense. They just play like crap. Like, the whole team just exudes this... I don't even know what it is like just the wheels falling off the bus and you've got Urban Meyer who just seems emotionally to just be checked out physically he's a mess he's doubling over on the sidelines looking like he shouldn't even be out there like that that game that's one of the only times in my life where I've ever watched a coach and been like someone needs to just bring this guy into the locker room his health is in jeopardy here um i mean he clearly whatever that you know he talks about this i think his cyst that he has in his brain or whatever and yeah look at a guy looks like he's going through like painful migraines out there um so when you factor that in and everything else that's happened this season we don't need to relitigate all of that but um it's just a team that is just a hot mess it's a team loaded with talent that Especially on defense is just running around with their heads cut off, and to Michigan's credit, that is not Michigan. Especially on defense, Michigan just locks it down back there, and um, and Michigan's offense we know is capable of finding another gear. They don't always find it, but man, if if Shea Patterson and company if they show up, and Ohio State's not you know and Ohio State's not playing at close to their peak potential, which why should we believe they suddenly will be? Um, I just see Michigan could just put it on them.
2: I mean, we should believe that they will be because it's, it's Ohio State-Michigan. Right, and, right. That's and, the flip and side. That, that's what happens in this game unless one team has a really big problem at quarterback and or head coach. Like, this game has been close virtually every year unless there's a huge discrepancy at, at one of those positions. And I the way Ohio state has played this season, their, their offense is electric and they're going up against maybe, maybe the best defense of the country outside of Alabama. Um, but the, like the talent is ludicrous and I kind of refuse to say, I want to see one team versus the other. I think both have their merits. John, you kind of outlined a case for Ohio state, um, At the same time, we've seen Michigan. We've played them. We we know what that feels like. We know what to expect. And and their offense does not have the speed quotient that Ohio State does. But, frankly, I don't care who we play. I just want their game to be brutal (laughs) and, more than anything, emotionally taxing. I want the lead to change in the very last play and the very last second. Just, like and 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 exceedingly extreme emotional high for whoever wins that game and would it make me a horrible person to root for a lot of targeting penalties <laughs> yeah, right. in the second half
1: second half targeting I, I, penalties
2: i really i'm not going to do that because that feels wrong as a human but um you probably don't have to root for it like it it ought to just happen organically yeah, it is ohio state michigan well, I don't know. Have you, have you watched a lot of SEC football, John? Because when I watch SEC football, I see a hell of a lot of targeting penalties not get called. Yeah. Um. Sorry, that's a that's a soapbox that I don't need to stand up on right now. But point being, like I, I just want this game to be exceedingly difficult for these teams, and not even that they come out beat up, but just like mental exhaustion and feeling like we did it, we overcame that team, we're headed to the playoff, and then. Oh, Northwestern punches them in the mouth next week, and, and that's, yeah. that's that's the want. thing.
1: I mean, I, regardless of who comes out, you, just the way that Northwestern is is considered, right? I mean, it's like
2: <clears throat> I, for either team, that, it's going to be non-conference be record. Yeah, that non-conference record is a real asset for
0: us in that way, which is kind of funny. I, here's here's just one more thing I want to add, though. Um, where is the evidence at any point in this season that we have? that Ohio State is a great football team. With Michigan, we can look at that Wisconsin game and be like, okay, well, we know what ultimately happened with Wisconsin, but that was a beatdown. Ohio State does not have that game. There's not even one close you can point to, like they won, they beat Indiana 49-26. They opened the season with one of the two worst defensive football teams in the country, Oregon State then they played Rutgers, then they played a TCU team that we know now is bad. Um, and I, are they even going to bowl? I'm not no, even sure. No, they're not. Yeah. I don't then, think so. then Tulane. And then they went into the conference season where they have a one point win over Penn state. Congrats. You had comfortable wins over Indiana and Minnesota got smoked by Purdue, barely beat Nebraska. Uh, offense produced almost nothing against Michigan State and then should have lost to Maryland that's their season
2: so it's like i, I don't i don't think they're a great team but they have they great have, players they have yeah. great talent and and they have they have the mix of talent on offense right. that will give us for, an absolute nightmare oh
0: for sure i think the the big thing i think about when i think about that is they would force us to play at a pace we don't like to play at which would be like, okay, we're going to score. Now we're going to let you score. And we'd be like, oh, we don't like to score that quickly. We'd rather just, <laughs> like, take our time and take a touchdown here yeah. and there. And they'd be like, no, 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 this is going to be a shootout. And we'd be like, well, we don't really do that. So, right. <laughs> this, game, this game's on <laughs> turf, too. Right. And that's and it's right. So, I mean, we'd like Michigan to be – Right. We know if it's Michigan, we can pull them down into the mud and and maybe emerge from some sort of low score game. I, I get it. But it's like, were it not for the history between Ohio State and Michigan, I would just expect Michigan to throttle them. I just they are just a team that is playing at a
1: totally different level. Um, but the yeah, the we'll game see. is the games in Columbus. I mean, that
2: that may have yeah, that's a factor. That's right. a factor. And Haskins is really good. I mean, you look you go back and look at that Purdue game, right? In the first half. Haskins threw for what like 500 yards in that game in general, but got them into the red zone four times and just like it was a matter of inches every single time that they didn't score. I mean, they could have been up 28 zip. Um I just like that that team has got a a switch that they intend to flip. I, I, you know, for anyone who can watch the the game against against Michigan, I guess it happens before our game. It's going to be a good one, for sh- for sure. There's so much talent on the field, and it'll be interesting to learn what we learn. But I, I, I kind of strongly will not be pulling one way or the other. I just, I just don't think I don't think it matters. I think each team pro- provides unique challenges for us, and each team has. Each team is beatable.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree, um, for sure. And it, it'll be it'll be interesting to to kind of keep an eye on that uh, at at the tailgate before our game, uh, two thirty kick on Big Ten Network. So um, that'll be a lot of fun. I do briefly want to just kind of run through you know, being that this is Thanksgiving weekend, um, just the smorgasbord of football that you could literally – and, guys, you and I have done this. It's the greatest weekend. <laughs> it's the greatest weekend. Turn on football, like, early on Thanksgiving Day, and there's football running non stop through, like, the next Sunday night and into Monday night. So just, you know, there's so much football. And being that it's rivalry week, you know, you've got – uh, the Egg Bowl on, uh, on Thursday night, um, Mississippi State Ole Miss, although I would imagine more people are probably going to be watching Atlanta and New Orleans, um,
2: just because, damn, can, the Saints can we, are good. Can, just because of Can Austin we pause? Car, that's right. Well, yeah. <laughs> just because, can we pause with that NFL reference real quick? Sure. And just comment on the fact that Rams, Chiefs <laughs> is bananas. Um, it, it's, it's happening right now and I feel like to not acknowledge it is to ignore like the 800 pound gorilla in the room the score at this point with what like seven minutes left in the game is 47 to 44 oh what both teams have like multiple defensive touchdowns which is these are not good defensive teams um Todd Gurley has been virtually totally shut down from the Ram, on uh, on the Rams and and uh, and, and after giving up, like after getting sacked for a, like strip sacked at the two yard line fumbling and uh, Kansas City running into the end zone, the Rams came back out down for the first time all, you know, since the first half and spent about 12 seconds scoring a touchdown to go back in the lead. These last nine—it's there's nine minutes left. Nine minutes left in this game. It's going to end in the sixties for both teams. It's ludicrous. I, it's so
0: much fun. This seems like a perfect segue into the fact that the Washington Redskins have signed Mark Sanchez <laughs> to play quarterback, and you should expect the same kind of fireworks. And by uh, on Thanksgiving Day, if Colt McCoy goes down, and by fireworks, I of course mean butt fumble. Butt fumble. Um, yeah. I I just the chance that suddenly, nearly di- just barely days from the event, the gods have suddenly presented the opportunity for butt fumble part 2 on six. You know, six <laughs> years after the initial event, it's descended oh. out of the clouds. Um, I I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of litigating the whole. For the love of God, if this doesn't prove Colin Kaepernick's collusion case, I don't know what does, but one thing I will say is Trevor Simeon about to get paid because look at the wasteland that is backup quarterbacks in the NFL when the starters go down. These teams are desperate for a competent backup, and Minnesota's going to have to pay to keep Simeon, and if they don't, someone else is going to pay. It is the right time to be a backup quarterback with an expiring rookie contract, so yay to that. But Sam, I'll let you go back to the smorgasbord.
1: No, I mean that—that's part of it. You know, the NFL definitely is a part of the smorgasbord, and you know, three NFL games on Thanksgiving. Um, was it Bears, Lions, uh, Redskins, Cowboys, and the aforementioned Saints and Falcons? Um, and then you got the egg bowl. If you're, you know, wanting to flip over at commercials, I don't have much to say about Mississippi State and Old Miss because I have literally watched maybe five combined seconds of both teams all season. Um, Friday, you've got uh, Texas and Kansas. Uh, the new speaking of hats, yeah, speaking of hats, yeah. absolutely. Uh, the Mad Hatter himself, Les Miles, uh, taking
2: over at Kansas starting next year. So that that's. That's weird. It, it's bizarre. Weird. It, it is bizarre for sure. I don't know that that's going to go well, but we'll see.
1: Um, you know, you got Nebraska, Iowa on Friday. You've got UCF, USF. Yeah, yeah. Um, Biggie, Houston,
2: Memphis. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't bank on that being a great game. Think you said? I, oh yeah,
0: you've seen USF in I, person.
2: I watched Cincinnati handle them pretty easily and then cincinnati just got absolutely steamrolled by central florida last weekend um you've got oregon oregon
1: state that should not be a game but you know you could watch it if you want um then the o- sun oklahoma, down. oklahoma west <laughs> yeah. virginia yeah that you know that because what west virginia lost this past week Yeah, that all of a sudden the winner of that goes to the Big 12 championship game and does not necessarily play the loser. Um, you know, Texas, Texas just needs to beat Kansas and Texas is in the Big 12 championship. So, um, looks like the winner of Oklahoma West Virginia would go on to play presumably Texas, assuming Texas does what they need to do against Kansas. Oklahoma West Virginia what what what's the what's
0: the uh Rams Chiefs game at right now because (laughs) I can guarantee Oklahoma West Virginia is gonna top it there will be no defense in that game Will Greer and Kyler Murray are gonna throw for 800 yards combined minimum in that
1: game and it's gonna be phenomenal uh speaking of massive amounts of yards through the air you've also got the apple cup stash uh, Washington wazoo Uh, Winner of that goes on to play Utah in the uh, Pac-12 championship. Yeah, Gardner Minshew. I mean, this is a guy who literally came out of nowhere, uh, transferred in to Washington State, and, uh, man. I happened to watch their game against Arizona, and
0: yeah, I know I caught him at the right time, but whoa, Nelly. That's a team with a good defense, and... That offense, you know, people talk about that offense, but it take the right trigger man makes a huge difference in Leach's system, and Minshew gets exactly what they're doing. And man, Washington better look out. But Washington owns them um, uh, the last, I think, three years or four years. So it's
1: a big game. But man,
0: Washington State's capable of of going to another level.
1: The game's in Pullman. I, I don't know, you know, what the home field advantage is on you know, in the Apple cup one way or the other, but, uh, you know, out on the Palouse, you know, we, we, shall see. Um, moving on to Saturday, obviously Michigan, Ohio state, the 11 o'clock game, um, Georgia, Georgia tech, you know, there's, you know, just kind of listening to and and looking around, there is definitely opportunity for some real chaos in the, uh, you know, in the play, in the playoff scenarios uh, as we go into this weekend, you know, if Georgia Tech beats Georgia, um, you know, the West Virginia uh, Oklahoma game could go wonky. The Big Twelve, I mean, there's a lot that could happen as far as the playoff goes. But you know, it really does seem, you know, as we you know look through some of the games on Saturday, it, it's hard to really imagine that we don't know at least three of the four playoff teams right now.
2: Yeah, that's true. Like, like this. People always talk about this weekend, you know, being crazy and rivalries, throw the record books, the records, yeah. all that stupid stuff. Um, I, but, but this week, outside of those couple you just mentioned, Sam, there's not a lot of potential for for zaniness. Um, I think you're more likely to see interesting and unexpected results in games that don't have a lot of national meaning. Like I'm looking at uh, Purdue, Indiana. Sure. This game's at Indiana. Could, could Purdue could be the de- last game for Jeff Brom? Exactly. I mean, Purdue is definitely the better team, but they've lost two in a row. And Brom, all the rumors are flying that on Monday he's going to get announced as the new head coach at Louisville. Like, does the does the team come together for themselves? Do they do they are they able to put that out of their mind at Indiana? You know, who knows. Um some some other ones that my, are kind of crazy. My,
0: my goal for that game is for Rondell Moore to just have a real lousy experience and then transfer to Northwestern. <laughs> That's my goal. Just being like, "Oh, Brom's got, man, this whole Indiana thing, this whole state,
2: uh, it's garbage. I'm going to Northwestern." <laughs> <laughs> um Minnesota Wisconsin is another one. Uh the Gophers are at Wisconsin, and you'd think with what the Badgers did to Purdue that, you know, this game would be an, an obvious um an obvious situation. Uh, did Hornibrook play? I don't think so. Hornibrook did not play um, again. So, I, you know, I I don't know that there's a good reason to put him out there, especially if he's, he's been struggling with concussion stuff. Like, man, maybe shut this kid down. Pitt at Miami. I don't think that there are any ACC championship uh, no, Pitt, yeah, stakes Pitt, on the line. Pitt's there, but, yep. Yep. It's yep. going yeah, to so be Pitt like Clemson. A, like another weird one um there's just a lot of goofy stuff like that uh but it doesn't it doesn't feel like there's a chance that like Notre Dame ain't going to lose to USC Notre Dame Alabama gonna make- ain't going to lose to Auburn Clemson ain't going to lose to South Carolina like that stuff is set it's like the it's like the the third tier games that are the 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 upset potentials.
0: Notre Dame is going to beat the tar out of USC. I watched the end of that USC UCLA game. Holy moly. That's a bad football team. They just, it's just, they, it's like the same thing as Florida state. Like you can still look at the roster and be like, the team's still loaded with talent. There just ain't nobody who knows what the heck they are doing. And JT Daniels, maybe someday, but right now, not right now. And I know like the potential he's lo- there's loads of potential two time high school player of the year, blah blah blah, but not right now, buddy. Um and Notre Dame is that that is a well oiled machine at this point that is going to throttle them. Um, well, and this
2: is this is their big recruiting week where they go out there and they stay out there for like the coaching staff stays out in California for the week recruiting oh, LA, et cetera. This and like, is... like this, like this is the this is the stamp that they put on the front end of that week. I'm sure they've got a if, gajillion recruits coming to the game, like, and they're going to recru- try to win by a hundred. And those
0: recruits ain't going to USC. <laughs> no, they, and, and I, I don't mean I don't mean that just like in a figurative sense. USC's recruiting is as down as I've ever seen it right now, and that is how you know Clay Helton's going to get fired. They just yep. don't. They've they've lost it. They've lost control of the area and the program. And yeah, Notre Dame's just going to go in throttle USC and then start cherry picking recruits.
2: (laughs) I I think the only way they save it is if they hire James Franklin uh, from Penn state, but I, you know, he might, he might just leverage USC to get a godfather offer from, uh, from state college. So we'll see. Can we just real quick comment on just the travesty
1: that was the uh, uniforms for Notre Dame at that Yankee stadium game? Oh my God. I, I texted you guys during the game. Uh, West Virginia,
0: in their Oklahoma State game, trotted out some of the worst helmets I've ever seen. And no one will ever remember because Notre Dame's uniforms <laughs> will t- just took all the headlines. The thing I was unaware of, I was unaware that the pants were going to be the pants. I had only seen the jersey. Oh, and you, you s- hadn't
1: seen the pinstripe pants.
0: And then I saw the pants, and I was like, oh, dear God.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it was unbelievable. But, you know, part of me wants to believe that Under Armour, who's only ever done right by us, was secretly throwing shade at Notre Dame with those uniforms. Like, that's what I want to believe. That Under Armour secretly has taken sides in the Northwestern-Notre Dame rivalry and uh, and was just throwing Notre Dame garbage uniforms.
2: That's what I want to
1: believe. Uh, oh, keep, man. Keep telling yourself that, man.
2: Yeah. By that same token, I hope we don't play Maryland anymore. Yeah, right. <laughs>
1: Um, well, no, because um, in the next couple of years, uh, as the Big Ten schedules, they're, they're shifting them up. Because you know how we play Michigan State every year as as one of our crosses. And then the other two cross uh, cross divisions switch up. Uh, in the not-too-distant future, it's switching up that we're going to be playing Maryland every year. Under Armour Bowl. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure yeah, Under Armour
0: would be happy. I want to add one other – this is a non-sequitur, but one other game note <clears> – <throat> As a New Hampshire boy growing up, I just enjoy it when Northeast teams are good. And Syracuse and Boston College, that's the number 12 and number 20 team playing each other um, the last week of the season. Like, both of those teams have had great years and played in big-time games.
1: And, uh, and you know, especially if Cuse wins, they may be a top-10 team. So- well, no, because the, the, <laughs> um, the rankings on ESPN, at least, have not been updated because the CFP rankings aren't out. So, you know, Syracuse will have dropped – Right, um, they'll drop, but still, you're talking two ranked teams, um, which is just cool. Like, especially as you're talking
0: upstate New York and and Boston. Trust me, uh, those are not regions that normally field multiple ranked football teams. So, I'll take it when I can get it.
2: <laughs> Anything else to touch on before we get out of here tonight, guys? Yeah, the only other thing I'll throw out is like all you know, all the bowl projection stuff is starting to, to pop up now and uh a lot of folks have northwestern going to the citrus bowl that's assuming that the big 3 all get into um playoff slash uh new year's six bowls with i think penn state in the fiesta ohio state in the rose and michigan in the playoff penn state really is being considered that's
0: that's the that's the thing that worries me the most i feel like that's iffy
2: so well i don't i mean with that, I mean we've talked about it ad nauseum. Right? Oh, that not fan, that, that not fan that,
0: base. Not that the bowls would lo- wouldn't love Penn State. Just that there there may not be teams that are above them in the pecking order. Um, you know, I like
2: right, like in a vacuum, right? No, I I know those fans will travel. But so a lot of folks have us matching up in the Citrus Bowl with Florida, Kentucky. Oh,
1: really? Kentucky.
2: Yep, a rematch against Kentucky. I think Florida's the other one that seems like a like a likely. Uh, potential there um both of those would be pretty interesting so uh just just throwing that out there oh, i just i i'm trying not to talk about it too much
0: because i will be an hour east of orlando already uh, at that point like we will be vacationing there and i i dare not speak it that which could drop into my lap so beautifully. So I, I'm not going to jinx it by talking about it more. I
1: mean, you're going to be close to Disney World, not Disneyland, man. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. You, That's that's exactly <laughs> the point. We ain't playing in no Citrus Bowl, my friend. We ain't playing in no Tax Slayer, neither. We've got other plans.
1: Got you always got to stop and smell the roses, my friend. That's right. Yeah,
2: and let, and let nobody interpret my reporting on other people's projections to be an indication of anything that I feel one way or the other about what happens over the next two weeks. Right. Fifty-one forty-seven. by the way. Two two minutes and 47 <laughs> seconds to play in this ass-crazy NFL game. Well, let's get out of here so we can watch the end of
1: this. Um, let's go ahead and leave it there for this week. Uh, head to our website, WestlotPirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. You can find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter, at westslotpirates.com. Call our voicemail line 847-231-2287, that's 847-231-CATS, and email the show westlotpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics, and look for us in the West Lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skaspar, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks much for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>